Welcome to the SAMA Podcast, where we talk to the most experienced people in B2B to find answers to one simple question. How can you become and remain essential to your strategic customers? Tune in as our guests reveal what it takes to become the supplier they cannot afford to lose. Learn how to level up your account management strategies to promptly deliver speed, convenience, and success to each customer. Let's jump into the discussion right now with Denise Fryer and Harvey Dunham. So welcome listeners. I'm Denise Fryer, President and CEO of SAMA. Today's podcast is on global SAM execution. We have with us our guest, Chris Darren, CEO of Clarity, who I'll introduce in a moment. This topic has been increasingly important over the years. The phrase, it's a small world, has become a common reality for many of our strategic accounts. And yet year after year, we hear that the number one challenge facing stamps is still the internal challenge within the organization, getting aligned to the same objectives. And now the increase in globalization has amplified that challenge, no doubt. So today we're going to discuss some of the challenges of getting the geographies and the divisions to play nice and to execute consistently. So we'll explore some of the topics like how do differences in culture impact SAM execution and performance globally? Or what are the differences in SAMs in the U.S. versus Europe versus Asia-Pac? And certainly we want to take a look at some of the biggest challenges and potential solutions with developing global SAM teams, like leveraging local relationships and metrics for success. So I am so pleased to welcome our guest on this very robust topic. We have a real expert with us. Chris Darren is the CEO of Clarity CX1. They are a Salesforce ISV partner with a SAM application that's tailored by industry. Now, he's also the founder of Clarity Engagement Solutions. That's a 13-year-old consultancy specializing in strategic account management transformation and capability building. Now, prior to his time with Clarity, Chris spent over 20 years in sales and business development roles in the technology sector, including both software startups, but also global companies such as IBM and Xerox. So I think having spent considerable time helping global clients make this transition to strategic account management, Chris brings a lot of knowledge and insights to the topic of global SAM execution. So Chris, let me welcome you today. Denise, thanks so much for that. It's great to be with you today. And I'm especially excited about this topic because as we've discussed, it is coming up as you quite frequently these days. So I'm, I'm hopeful that this discussion could really yield some insights, some ideas, some observations that might be really helpful to your listeners and, and to the SAMA community in general. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining us. So let's jump right in and get started. So you have spent a lot of time with SAM teams globally. So what's top of mind for you? What are some of those things that you've observed that our listeners might be surprised about or really interested in hearing about? Well, the first thing is that I decided to take a step back and look at this from a little bit more of a holistic level. And if you really go back throughout the years, when it comes to Global SAM, there are some definable patterns that emerge in different ways of activity. I think you have companies like IBM, like Xerox, like Hewlett Packard, who years ago really pioneered the art of SAM. But a lot of it, as you know, started because you had big multinationals who went to their large suppliers and said, we want to be treated as a global account. 
and the impetus behind that could have been, and it wasn't in many cases, they wanted better price, you know, volume, transparency, better consistent support across, across regions and countries. So that was kind of wave one 15, 20 years ago. And I think, you know, after that, what ended up happening is that those same suppliers started to look at it and say, well, wait a second, there's actually reasons why we want to initiate this ourselves. And it could be things like higher customer satisfaction, better revenues, and better profitability if you coordinate Global SAM, you know, across your organization. Then I think everybody got excited about Global SAM and decided to start deputizing and designating a lot of accounts as, oh, these are our global accounts. And I think they went a little bit too far in that some companies then went to a fourth wave where they realized every time you designate an account as a global account, it starts triggering a whole bunch of things that you have to do internally to get it right. Everything from scale and capability building to process models and tool development right down to incentive comp strategies. So that caused, I think, the most recent wave, which is pull back a little bit and be a little bit more selective when you go ahead and designate an account as a global account. And I think that's where we are as of today. Okay, that's interesting because I do recall personally some of those challenges when you go global and all of the internal challenges you have in meeting some of those needs. Mm-hmm. So as you think about the different regions, the different geographies, are there many differences between, say, a U.S. implementation or in a U.S. SAM culture and a European culture and an Asia-Pac culture? There are differences, of course, culturally. There are differences in the structure of the local markets and how companies need to go to markets with their products and services. But one of the things that has surprised me, Denise, especially in the last five, six, seven years, is just how many similarities there are. And what happened is that I was in workshops in the last few years where, let's say, a company would invite their colleagues from Colombia to come over to Japan and sit with them for a week and talk about how they implemented strategic account management. And I just assume that you know folks from Japan or South Korea would not see as, as much relevance in what the Colombians were talking about. And it was exactly the opposite. They were riveted in listening to each other in trading best practices and, and how they overcame certain account challenges and whatnot. So that kind of brought me back to thinking about your comment earlier where you said the world is getting a lot smaller. I think both in terms of digital activity and also the global pandemic, it did cause a lot of folks to go online and start conversing with their colleagues internationally. And I think it has kind of broken down the walls a little bit. And I think companies are discovering that when it comes to global SAM, there's as many things there are in common as there are you know, differences. Is there anything that we should be watching out for in the cultures, different approaches with either SAM training or even interaction with your client? Yeah, I think that there are some cultures, I've spent a lot of time in Japan in the last three or four years, that they've been slow to adopt, let's say, SAM strategies, especially if they feel like they've been westernized too much, because there's a big issue in how does it adapt to the local Japanese culture and way of selling. Everything is broken into, down into prefectures. It's a very polite society, as you know, and they have certain ways to build relationships very slowly over a long period of time with a very select number of senior decision makers, which, of course, in, if you look at how things are done in the U.S. or other regions, it's quite different. It's much more rapid fire and all team-based and make as much progress as you can. But it's very slow and gradual in Japan. So you have to adapt your SAM strategy or your approach that way. It's good to know. And I think we have seen some of that and respect it as well in how they go differently across and covering their customers. As I think about what you had said earlier in some of the internal challenges that organizations might have, 
if you're trying to build out a SAM program, I remember challenges when I worked at IBM of different regions and geographies, you know, conflicting because a, a, a global account may have a small regional location. So it's not that important to that local country, but very important to the strategic account. Any suggestions or considerations on how to build out a global program like that, facing internal and external challenges? It brings up this issue of building things from the inside out or the outside in. And what I mean by that is that a lot of the operational levers behind a successful SAM strategy and and program and execution are, of course, things that are first developed internally and then taken out to the market and hopefully executed well. But one of the consistent things, if you will, that we've seen over the years is that all of these SAM initiatives should have very solid senior leadership support. And one of the things that we do to help senior leadership is we help them build a case for change. Why is a, a company adopting a SAM, a global SAM? And when you get into the why, what's most important is not what's happening internally. It's what are the expectations in the external customer's mind about how they want to be treated as a global account. And they have a very good sense that, you know, the end customer is getting a lot smarter these days in what they want to see and not see in the way a company behaves from a global SAM perspective. So when we build these case for change decks, it's not the reason why you need to adopt all all of these things is all of these internal reasons. And we start with what your external customers are expecting in terms of the relationship footprint. What is their vision for where you as a strategic supplier can go with that relationship in the next three to five years? What is it that they want you to understand about what's going on in their world so that you can adapt your strategy, your products, your services in such a way where it's it's a, a win-win for, for everybody involved? That starts the case for change. And then if that's communicated the right way internally by senior leadership, it starts to solve a number of these issues where you have these silos that get set up or an account's not being strategic in one region, but it is in another. Once people see that this is really the message from senior leadership, that they've heard the end customer and they've now decided to retool and re-resource the approach to, to meet those needs, there's different motivations behind that then if it's done the right way. You know, I think that is such an important message to keeping the client at the center of your discussion. And if you have differences, but yet you're doing it from the client's point of view, it's easier, to, I think, to get to a conclusion. Now, I'm still reminded of internal challenges, right? You might have to figure out how do you bill globally, invoice globally? How do you ship appropriately? Do issues come up? Have you had clients that have experienced those kinds of challenges and had to work through it? Yes, and not everything is transferable or relevant from one region or country to the next. So within some of our larger customers, that they built out different processes or solutions that work well for them regionally, but don't translate well if another country or region tries to pick it up and use it. So this balance that has to be struck of SAM strategies that are globally consistent, yet locally relevant and locally tailorable, that's one of the key ingredients, I think, from what we've seen, that plus the leadership communication, but not everything transfers appropriately. So I think this balance of taking the more mature markets who started down the SAM path many, many years ago, and then you've got other newer emerging growth countries, as they like to call them, that have SAM strategy that's very, it's either new or it's in its early stages and it's not really built out. They have to learn from what other countries, more mature markets have done. 
but they also have to have the right resources and tools to allow them to develop and tailor everything locally, you know, for that marketplace. So it is a balance. This is why it sometimes takes years to successfully build out and execute a SAM strategy. It's not an overnight thing. Right. And I imagine that those local relevant activities or metrics differ by all of the different countries that that might occur in. Exactly. And there is going to be political considerations, social economic considerations. So if you look at the way that, for instance, in the pharmaceutical industry in Brazil or in the rest of Latin America, how drugs need to go to market and all the different complexities with HMOs versus supply chain strategies and large public hospitals, each country really does have to be able to raise its hand and say, hey, we need help first understanding what's going on here locally. But we do understand that our colleagues in the U.S. and Canada, Europe and Asia PAC the Middle East have figured out how to execute on some of these same programs and strategies, and a good portion of it does fit. So there has to be mechanisms for somebody to help that local country decide how to tailor things for the local marketplace, but take advantage of what's working well that is applicable and relevant from a global SAM process or, or strategy perspective. Right. And in addition to maybe the geographic differences, have you found any differences in industry? Is pharmaceutical different in executing than, say, industrial or hospitality? Yeah, if I look at, I'll take corporate banking and financial services as an example. You know, large corporate banks have had a setup for years where, based on how they do their incentive compensation programs and, and MBOs, there hasn't been a lot of motivation for different relationship managers, which is really a corporate bank's term for a SAM, to behave well or coordinate with their colleagues in different portions of the bank that are selling different services. So if you're selling FX or treasury or corporate lending, typically you don't interface with your, your colleagues. Now, it's been that way for years. What happened in, in corporate banking is now forcing them down a SAM route. Well, two things. First, banking services have become very much commoditized. They pretty much all do the same thing and they all cost pretty much the same amount. So there has to be something else that will distinguish the value in the eyes of the customer. Well, here come these young cloud-based fintechs who have now introduced all of their applications now. And they're starting to nibble around the edges of revenue and profitability and taking business away from the large corporate banks. At the same time, you'll have the, let's say, the CFO for a large multinational who's growing very frustrated that they can't get the four or five relationship managers at a big corporate bank to coordinate when they arrive on their doorstep so that they do things like pricing, bundled services, things that actually are much better for the end customer. And they're also a win for the bank if they think about it, but their incentive compensation programs are not set up to support that behavior. So that's something that's just very unique to corporate banking where Sam is the ultimate answer, but they have a number of things that they got to change to get there. So I think you brought up two very significant challenges, incentives, for sure. Even outside of banking, making sure, you know, who gets paid for a global transaction where you need local help? Do they share in that? So I, I'd like you to comment on whether you've seen anything work better than others. And the second thing is, who makes the call when there is conflict? Mm. Is there, I mean, do we need to lean on that global account manager to break a tie? Well, I think this is bringing up an issue that I think you would have had experience in, in in all your time in the years with IBM because IBM is one of the several companies I think of who ultimately got it right when it comes to 
appointed an account CEO. Some companies call them account czars, but somebody who actually creates an organization that has a structure to it where everybody's incented to work together against those common unified account goals. And the, the measurements and the metrics are, are carefully monitored on a monthly basis. And so you it, that starts to avoid this issue where you have people running around in these global accounts, not talking to each other or in a siloed fashion, or even in some cases, we've seen in some industries competing with each other, where they think that their brand or their product should have more airtime inside the account than another be used. So that I'm not saying it's the answer to everything, but I do think it's one of the core strategies that we've seen work well is appointing these heads of these strategic account teams and carefully monitoring progress. Is it necessary that those teams actually have a hardline reporting structure? Or do you think it could work if it's a little bit more, you report regionally, yet you take some direction globally? I know that's a challenge that our many of our customers are facing. We've seen it done both ways to varying degrees of success. I don't think, unless you're talking about the largest of large accounts, I don't think you have to mandate that there has to be hardline report reporting structures. I think that there is room for more of that dotted line flex type of reporting. And what do you think is critical to success? Because I'm going to guess, is it kind of a C-suite backing of this? I mean, what really makes something like this work? Yeah, I, I think two things. One, yes, senior leadership involvement, endorsement, communication around it, You know, explaining the why, telling a compelling story as to why this effort is being made. But I also think that in addition to things that have been around for years, like QBR's quarterly business reviews, that some, not all, but some companies have actually turned around to their most senior leadership, including chairmen, CEOs, COOs, and have attached account names to them, where they actually will go out into the landscape and meet and have executive exchanges you know, once or twice a year with some of the largest accounts, even if there is an account CEO who's running everything on a monthly basis. It is important for very senior le leadership to show visibility and to show their face inside of some of these accounts. So sometimes a combination of both is what works best. Great. Thank you. So with your experience, I mean, just thinking back of all of the challenges that we might face in a global SAM program, what comes to the top of what works and maybe what some of the pitfalls were mm. in putting something like this together? Sure. I think the biggest one, Denise, that if you look at the evolution of SAM, as we talked about earlier, you've gotten to a place where the earlier adopter countries, US, Western European countries, UK, Australia, all prove that as hard work as it is, there is major benefit in pursuing SAM strategies, both for the supplier and for the, the multinational account. However, what's happened in the 10, 12 years since it really has started to accelerate is you have all these other countries that for different reasons had not yet adopted SAM or were slow to adopt SAM or didn't have the resources to do it the right way. So now what's happened is that you have global senior leaders on the supplier side saying, we've gone as far as we can before we really need to have a unified global SAM strategy. The problem though, is that when you go to communicate that, the countries that have already been doing it for 10 to 15 years don't really need your help. And <laughs> the ones that haven't started yet, raise their hand and say, we need all the help we can get really are best served that they can learn from their colleagues who have already done this well. So one mistake that is a common mistake to make is to try to bake the cake internally and push it out. If you just announce that there's a new international global account process and strategy, and here's, here's what it is, you're in danger of the sure markets ignoring it 
and the immature markets not knowing how to implement it without the right help resources. So that's where you really have to slow down. And one thing that we see that does work well is that if you do these exchanges of best practices and ideas from country to country, especially those countries where they've been much more mature with it. And by the way, in your own city of Chicago, years and years ago, Anderson Consulting, later Accenture, had something called the Anderson Center. And they formalized international best practice sharing around account management strategies, where they'd have folks from South Korea come in for a week and spend time with the Canadians. And, and they would sit there and they talk about these large global national accounts and who's doing what that's working, what suggestions and best practices we have. So even then, they had the idea of doing this dissemination of best practices that, that works so well. So that's the big gotcha in all of this. There is no boil the ocean strategy with Sam. And there's no sense in just trying to hunker down inside of global for 12 or 15 months and build something and then try to push it out to the local affiliate countries. It doesn't really work that way. You have to have a hybrid strategy that pulls in what's working well across the globe for those accounts, for that supplier, and then figure out how to, again, come up with a globally consistent yet locally relevant strategy where it translates well in Israel for the way that they go to market, or it translates well in Hong Kong for how they have to deal with all the political ramifications in terms of how it affects accounts. And you have to have the right people who understand how to rationalize these things down at the local level. You know, Chris, I think you said it all in that phrase, to be globally consistent and locally relevant. And I think if we can pull our teams together, sharing best practices, which of course is a mantra of SAMA in general for strategic mm -hmm. account management, I think that could go a long way in trying to remove some of the barriers and get mm -hmm. going forward in a global strategic account program. Any last words of wisdom before we close here? Don't be shy to ask for help. And this is a message I could put out to your, your corporate members. There's a lot of moving parts to this. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Fortunately, the good news is that there's a lot of things that we can help you see or present to you that have worked well. And so you don't have to figure it out all on your own. But it is a little bit of an uphill climb for some companies. And you really shouldn't be shy to ask for help. There's a lot more that we could unpack in any one of these things that we talked about, whether it's the internal things like incentive comp or process or skill capability building or cultural differences and political differences across regions, there's a lot to it. So I think the SAMA members can help them each other. We can help them, but really they should ask for help when they need it because there's a lot to it. I think that's great advice. Definitely ask for help. Chris, this has been an extremely engaging conversation and we may have been able to talk another hour or so to deep dive exactly. <laughs> into these areas. For now, I hope we have given our listeners some food for thought, and the motivation to continue to strive for some seamless global execution. Because there is no doubt in my mind or anyone's mind that the global customer is expecting that from our strategic suppliers. So thank you again, Chris, for your insights. So appreciate you being here today. Thank you, Denise. Much appreciated. Happy to be on. Great. So for more information, the listeners, please contact us at SAMA or certainly visit the Clarity website, which you will find on the podcast page and certainly in our transcript that we publish. So thank you all for joining us and good selling.